I'm John Foss, and I'm the Executive Director of Richmond Civic Theatre. From Civic Spark Media and the Western Wayne News in Wayne County, Indiana, I'm Kate Jetmore. As a native of Richmond, Indiana, I'm excited to be sitting down with some of our neighbors and listening to the stories that define our community. My guest today is John Foss, Executive Director of Richmond Civic Theater. A graduate of Wright State University in musical theater, he's worked at several Ohio venues, including Columbus Children's Theater, the Human Race Theater Company, Muse Machine, Victoria Theater Association, and Dayton Opera. Founder of Act Two Costumes and John Foss Designs, John lives in Dayton, Ohio with his husband, Mike Embry. Welcome to the show, John. Thanks so much for joining me today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to sit down with you today and talk to you about Richmond Civic Theater, a place where I spent countless hours as a kid and a young adult. And RCT just played an incredibly special role in my childhood. So I'm really happy to know that it's not only still around, but is thriving. Um, But what I really like to do is go back in time and talk about RCT's beginnings. Tell us, if you would, a little bit about the building's history and how the actual theater community got started. Absolutely. Um, It's a a really uh, interesting story and uh, one that has stood the test of time. Uh, Richmond Civic Theater's home is in the Murray Theater, which was built in 1909 by Omar G. Murray. And uh, he and his business partner, Gus Sun, operated a uh, chain of leasable theaters in several Midwestern cities in the United States. And uh, Omar decided that he wanted to have one with his name on it. Um, so the, uh, the Murray Theater was uh, erected in 1909, originally uh, a 700-seat auditorium with four private boxes. There was a billiard hall in the basement, uh, a barber shop, um, a dry cleaner on the first floor, professional offices on the second, apartments on the third. It in itself was a, a, a tiny little business community. Um, in its heyday, uh, as it was a, originally part of the vaudeville circuit, um, some legendary performers uh, have graced that stage, um, including uh, the Marx Brothers, George Burns and Gracie Allen played there. Uh, the the actual Fanny Bryce that the musical Funny Girl is based on played that vaudeville house. Sammy Davis Jr. played uh, that stage as a child. And then, of course, the, the great Louis Armstrong um, as part of a jazz tour played there. Wow, those are, those are some amazing names, names that even people who've never seen live theater before or who've never stepped into Richmond Civic Theater, people, everyone will recognize those names. And I feel like, wouldn't you agree that when you walk into the building, you can sort of feel that history? Oh, absolutely. That When I came for my interview, my in-person interview, uh, it walking into the auditorium, it it felt like hallowed ground. Yeah, I would have to agree with you on that. What about Norbert Silbiger? Where does he fit in? 
Norbert Silbiger actually uh, was a, a Jewish refugee uh, from Nazi Germany, and he was brought to Quaker Hill here in Richmond in 1940. Um, they uh, sort of had a, a, a refugee um, uh place where uh, people were coming to obviously seek refuge uh, from from the Nazis. And uh, Silbiger was a playwright and an actor. And uh, one of the women in the community, Hazel Thornburg Emery, lovingly referred to as the mother of the Richmond Civic Theater, she taught a volunteer drama class at Quaker Hill for the refugees. And uh, Silbiger was obviously involved in that. And she noted his talent immediately. And uh, she's, she's even quoted as saying, I have this new little man in my group and I'm convinced that he's a genius. Um, so, wow. yeah, she um, founded a theater group called the uh, Richmond Civic Theater. At that time, it was um, uh, basically a, a troupe of actors and um, in 1941, they began their season at the Goddard Auditorium at Earlham College uh, campus and at McGuire Hall, uh, McGuire Memorial Hall. Um, it was in 1952, though, that um, the Richmond Civic Theater organization leased the Murray Theater, which at that time was still the Indiana when it had been converted from a vaudeville house to a movie theater during the Depression. Um, they uh, purchased it for $42,000, and uh, that's been the organization's home since 1952. I, you know, I don't think I ever knew that the Quakers had a hand in how Richmond Civic Theater came to be, you know, how it, how it sort of got its beginnings, that Norbert, Norbert Silbiger was, you know, taken care of by the Quaker community in Richmond. And then it was a, a Quaker woman, a woman of a, of Quaker faith who actually helped the, the theater company start. Yep. Those are, those are stories that, you know, it's, it, I've spent so many hours in Richmond civic theater and I don't think I ever knew any of that history. So thank you for walking us through that. You're welcome. It's very interesting. It is very interesting. Here's another thing that's interesting. Theaters, places where live theater is rehearsed and performed, open and close all the time in the United States. Somebody has a great idea. Maybe it's a little bit different than other ideas have been. And everyone gets all gung-ho and jumps on board and supports the idea. And then it fizzles out. But RCT has really stood the test of time. What do you think is the secret ingredient that has kept this gem open and loved when so many others have closed or fallen into disrepair? Mm, that's an interesting question. Um, this organization is unique. And um, I think the best way that that I can describe the organization. Um, I go back to a meeting that I had last week with my board president. And RCT itself is a community. And I think, at least from what I've witnessed, I've only been involved in the organization now for just about two and a half years. Um, it has had 
every generation has come with its own uh, group of dedicated volunteers that essentially uh, are at the helm or were at the helm of the organization in various capacities, whether board positions, directors, set designers, etc. Um, and they took it as far as they could and then provided uh, opportunity and uh, a way for the next generation under them to take it over and run with it. Um, it's, it's really, it has been a finely guarded uh, and like pristinely protected gem. Um, I could tell that within the first couple of weeks of being on the job, you know, the new executive director comes in and, you know, questions processes and procedures and a lot of it's just you know general information and you know being the new guy mm -hmm. but um, people are very passionate about the organization even people who aren't as involved in it to this day are very passionate about the organization I think that's what's I think that's the elixir mm. Well, what you're describing I'd like to hear I'd like to hear you say more about the word community and what you mean by that. What is it that you see at RCT that makes you use the word community? This organization is a second home for a lot of people. Um, you know, in many ways, uh, uh, the same way people look to the church or different service organizations as a means of feeling connected to other people and being able to um, be themselves and create and um, socialize and, uh, you know, just basic fellowship. Mm. Uh, that's, that's the sense that you get by the people that are involved there. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it, it truly is its own community. The, the, and, and what's interesting for me is stepping in as, um, someone who's expected to manage that community and run that community like a business. Well, that was actually going to be my next question, John, because, you know, everything you're describing is sort of, you know, friendly and welcoming and passion and energy. But something that, that you know, is able to survive over the years must, by definition, have some structure and have um, you know a business plan that's working, or at least working well enough from year to year. So, what does that structure look like at RCT? Well, when I came in, the the organizational structure was uh, predominantly board driven, mm -hmm. as it's been uh, for the last several decades. RCT wasn't always. 100% a community theater. Mm. When Norbert Silbiger ran the organization um, from 1941 to 1962, I think is when he retired finally, mm -hmm. um, it was it, it, it was paid. I mean, it was a, it was a paid uh, semi-professional theater company. Mm. Um, it's it's interesting. The organization has morphed and kind of uh, you know, sort of like the pendulum swings one way and then it swings back the other for the longest time prior to me coming on board uh, as executive director there was no executive director for about 
15 years. It was completely volunteer run. Mm. And the only staff was um, part-time office manager and part-time uh, youth theater managing director, which mm -hmm. is now called Stage One. Mm -hmm. um, and those two people are uh, Bonnie Miller, who's office manager, and Ryan Shaw, who runs the Stage One Youth Theater Program. So when I came on, um, you know, I was come on full-time executive director, uh, some of the changes that we made were, um, you know, we pretty much elevated uh, Bonnie and Ryan to full-time, and then within a year, we've hired a full-time technical director uh, because that was one of the areas of our production process that we saw too much inconsistency in leadership. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got some people who, you know, they'll do one show a year and they're really great, and they might come back and do another one and they're really great. And but then in the interim, in other productions that you know come in between, you've got varying skill levels and and sometimes varying levels of dedication. Right. Um, and that's and not an indictment on anyone. It's just as a when you rely on volunteer talent, you're at the mercy of the free time of the people giving it. Right. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I was charged with in this role was professionalizing the process as much as possible. And that means everything from how we produce theater to how we publicize the shows to how we raise money to how we report our finances to the IRS. I mean, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, but it's interesting doing that while the artistic product is still... 100% volunteer. Right. So all, all of the directors, actors, costume designers, every musician that plays in the pit, they're all volunteers. Right. There will also be people out there who are listening to this podcast who have no experience with live theater and maybe tend to conflate it with the cinema or TV in the sense that, uh, you know, in the case of a movie, you buy your ticket you show up at, at a specific time and you watch a story being told, right? But live theater requires the commitment of so many people, dozens of people who are coordinating their efforts week after week, depending on how long the, the rehearsal period is. I mean, we're talking about, as you said, the actors, the directors, all the behind the stage behind the scenes people like costumes and makeup and set designers etc. Can you talk a bit about the role RCT plays in the community of Richmond or in the context of Wayne County when it comes to bringing people together at the theater? Oh, absolutely. So theater, the art form in itself, as we, you know, just mentioned, is, is it's communal. It is a collaborative art form. Different mediums, different artists, um, different skill levels all come together to create one singular moment in time that can, that no matter how many times it's rehearsed and no matter how many performances there are, can never be replicated. Hmm. And that is the beauty of theater. It's fleeting. It, it, you're experiencing it firsthand in the moment, and it's living art. Mm -hmm. 
the missing piece, once all of the artists put this beautiful thing together and the curtain comes up and, and, and they perform the show, the missing piece is the audience. <laughs> you know, my, I had a former boss who used to say, if you do a play in the woods and no one comes to see it, did it ever really happen? <laughs> um, which, yeah. Uh, so it's a, he's exact, he was exactly right. It is, the audience is the missing piece, the community, the people who live in Richmond and surrounding areas. Quite frankly, we, we pull a lot of people from uh, Western Ohio. Um, it, it brings together in the same audience, parents, their kids, school teachers, community leaders, politicians, titans of industry, philanthropists, people who in most normal circumstances may not have an opportunity to be in the same room together. That is what the arts do, uh, not just RCT, but all of the arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, we, we literally bring communities together. Yeah, that is a real point of hope because, you know, every community has its struggles. Every community has its, uh, you know, points that you look at and you think, how can we possibly improve this? Well, sometimes what you have to do is come in the back door with something like what you've just described, which is how about we just get people in the same room together? That's a really good first step. And then we can go to the next step. Absolutely. What about uh, you? You referenced in one of your one of the earlier questions or one of the earlier points that you were talking about how the project that is Richmond Civic Theater and the passion that's behind that project sort of gets passed down from generation to generation. Um, I know that's certainly been the case in my family. My dad was the first person in our family to sort of step on the stage at RCT. He introduced that tradition to me. Um, I've seen it in my nieces and nephews as well. So I know that happens. That sort of, there are families where different generations have performed and, and directed. Do you also see that when it comes to board member, members, when it comes to people who are working behind the scenes? Absolutely. Um... It's I'll, board members. I'll set that part of the conversation aside for just a second because mm-hmm. there's a there's a transition that's happening at the board level. But as far as people who are involved in leadership roles, um, we definitely see that we we see people who get involved uh, simply because they came to the theater and saw one of their parents. Uh, be in a show mm-hmm. or they sat in the back of the room during rehearsals on long nights doing their homework while <laughs> one of their parents was the choreographer or the pit conductor. Um, so it, it definitely, it's in their blood whether they're active or not. Um, and and in some cases, in many cases, that what the, what those experiences do and have done for the people involved make them lifelong lovers of the art and they become patrons, they become donors, and then they um, expose their own children and grandchildren to the art. And, you know, it's just, it's like you said, it's something that is passed down from generation to generation. Right. 
I also think it happens on a really deep level. Like, I, I think it sort of goes beyond the conscious. It goes beyond uh, an awareness of, oh, I'd better teach my child about theater or I'd better, you know, talk to him about the importance of. It's more, I mean, I have a vivid memory of going to see my dad in Enemy of the People. And there was a scene where he walked out on stage with a black eye. And I remember going to every performance just because I wanted to see how he could go from not having a black eye to having a black eye to not having a black eye to having a black eye. And I, I mean, you know, even describing it to you in words, it sort of loses a bit of its magic. That's not something I've ever described to anyone before. But I have no doubt that that experience, witnessing that moment night after night at Richmond Civic Theater, is one of the reasons that I love the theater and have spent so many years in the theater. Do you have any stories of your own when it comes to what made you fall in, lo- fall in love with the theater? Oh, absolutely. I, um, I want to say I was 11, 11 or 12 years old, and the, um, the Phantom of the Opera, uh, the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, had come to the Cleveland Playhouse. I'm originally from Northeastern Ohio, actually born and raised in Wayne County, Ohio, <laughs> um, which was a nice little tie-in there for Wayne County, Indiana. Yeah. Um, my uh, grandfather, my step-grandfather, took me to see the show, um, <clears throat> and, you know, we we were in a rural community. I grew up with, with modest means. And uh, we stood in the very top back balcony of the Palace Theater in Cleveland, or at the State Theater, rather, to see the show. And it was absolutely mesmerizing. It changed my life. Um, it, it made me want to do this for the rest of my life. The second thing, uh, the second experience I had uh, that that sealed the deal for me really was the opportunity to see Carol Channing do Hello Dolly live. Um, the last time she toured it, um, it was the opportunity to see living theater royalty, a yeah. living legend play the role that she's played for 30 years was absolutely spectacular and where was that that was at the same theater oh no that was in columbus ohio at the um might have been that might have been the palace theater in columbus okay or the ohio theater that's what it was it was the ohio theater okay okay well there's no doubt i already knew that rct was more vibrant than ever and now there's no doubt after listening to you talk about you know what's happening at the theater these days but what is next for rct what do you what do you envision when it comes to the theater's future? N- not only when it comes to sort of very specific da- written down on paper goals, but also your hopes for the theater and your dreams. One thing that I would really love to see for the theater itself, uh, for the organization, is a healthy endowment. Um, for as For as old as the organization is now, it's 82 years. Um, it has mm-hmm. had varying levels of support by some wonderful people throughout eight decades. It has, you know, it's had its highs and lows. 
Um, and, and there is some endowment money at the Wayne County Foundation, but it is uh, minimal. Um, the building itself is not getting any younger. I would love to see a substantial fund set up to maintain the building and to restore uh, the inside of the auditorium. Uh, it needs painted, there are new seats in the balcony, which involves a capital campaign and, and endowment and all that jazz. Um, the other thing that I would really like to see for the organization is uh, increased audience participation and uh, increased um, ticket sales numbers. Last year we had some great ticket sales um, and I think it was because people were finally coming back to life and leaving their houses after COVID mm -hmm. and they wanted to go see theater and this year we're seeing uh, a little bit of a different trend and I don't know what we assume that it is in tune with what many other theaters across the country are experiencing with um, decreased uh, attendance. Um, so, you know, we're doing everything we can to head it off at the pass and um, monitor finances and keep forward with the mission and keep producing theater, which is why we exist. Um, and then I think the third thing would be I would love to see a robust education program. Um, stage one mm -hmm. does a tremendous job with what it offers in the community to kids as far as workshops and trainings and you know getting them interested in the art form. But I would love to see continuing education opportunities for theater artists that are adults. Mm. Um, and that is something we've talked about uh, at the board level, and I know that we're we're turning the curve on that. Um, some some things are going to start happening. And what would um, that look like, John? Are you talking about like workshops for adults? I think it's a combination of um, you know higher level uh, acting courses, um, uh, dance class, maybe you know musical theater, vocal styles uh, uh, taught by some mm -hmm. voice instructors. But what I'd really like to do is give the volunteers the opportunity to work with a professional in the industry and bring in a professional creative team, uh, professional stage director, professional music director for a show and provide people mm -hmm. a shadowing opportunity and everyone really the opportunity to work with you know, people who work professionally in the industry mm -hmm. and see if there are things that they pick up um, that, you know, reinvigorate them and excite them about what they do at RCT. And that just makes our product better. Yeah, absolutely. That's exciting. Um, would you like to speak to our listeners for just a moment about how they could become involved if they'd like to, whether as a performer or a volunteer behind the scenes or as a donor, if they want to make a donation to the theater? Absolutely. We welcome anyone and everyone who's interested in volunteering at the theater. And that is anything from uh, artistic to more administrative or operational, like working box office, uh, being an usher, being a house manager. Anyone who's interested in getting involved can go to our website 
and uh, at the top there is a little bar there that says get involved and you can fill out your information and you submit it and it, it goes to us and then we uh, will reach out to you with different opportunities based on what your interests are. Um, as far as being a patron or a donor, if someone if someone is not gonna doesn't have an interest in being an artist or participating in the making of theater, uh, we ask that you come to the theater, bring your family to the theater. Uh, we we have varying price levels. We try to provide as much opportunity for people uh, of different incomes and means to participate and see shows. Um, bring your families to the theater. And if you really love what we do and you have the means, then the very next best thing that you can do is uh, an annual fund gift. That's uh, general operating support. That helps us pay the electric bill. It helps us keep the water and the lights on. And that's uh, yeah. increasingly expensive in, you know, a 112-year-old building. <laughs> yeah, for sure. John, what is the website address? GoRCT? Yes, it's uh, GoRCT.org. Okay, great. Well, John, I want to thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I really enjoyed getting to know you and getting to know the theater even better. So thank you so much, and I want to wish you and your husband all the best. Thank you so much for having me. Your support means the world to us. You can subscribe to the Western Wayne News Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rate and review our show as it helps more listeners like you to find these stories. For more information, visit our website at westernwaynenews.com. I'm Kate Jetmore, and I'll see you next time.